and I'm excited to dive into week two of Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 really was birthed out of this idea that, you know, in life, there are so many times that we go through difficult seasons of life, and so many people have heard of Psalm 23 because it's read a lot of times at funerals. It's probably one of the most popular Psalms to read in that environment, but I don't think it really has much to do with death. Instead, it has a lot to do with how we live life and how we can live life to the fullest. And so we're just taking a few weeks to study this chapter of scripture. And uh, one of the things that I like to do when I am studying scripture is there are three things that I wanna know about what is happening. Number one, I wanna know who the author of the text is. And so the author of Psalm 23 is actually a guy named David. Now, David was originally a shepherd boy. He gets anointed to be the future king of Israel. Not only is he the king of Israel, but he's a great warrior, but he's also like a poet at the same time. He's, he's, He's a super masculine guy who might be a little emo at the same time if you grew up in my generation. He's got, he, like, he writes music and he kills people. I don't understand how it works, but it worked for David. And David actually wrote a lot of the 150 Psalms that are found in the Bible, but his most famous one is Psalm 23. And most people would think that he wrote this Psalm during a season when he was a shepherd, but it's actually very much later in life when he is the king of Israel and his son Absalom is, is staging a coup. And so he is on the run for his life. He's in a difficult season of life. And so the context of this passage, which is the second thing I want to know, is, is, is a season that's filled with anxiety and unknown. It's, it's kind of like a lot of our lives at different seasons. There's, there are seasons where we have fear and we have an anxiety and we have an unknown kind of something that's out there, like what is going to happen next? And the purpose of him writing this was to position you and I to have strength in the midst of the struggle. And so I don't know what your struggle is here today. Maybe you're dealing with a marriage struggle or a financial struggle or a relational struggle or a fear struggle or an anxiety struggle. I want you to know that Psalm 23 is for you. And I believe that God wants to speak to you today through his word to find strength in the midst of whatever your struggle is. And so Psalm 23, starting in verse one, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod for me, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if you came up in Catholic church, you would say amen right there at the end of that. I mean, that's just so <laughs> we did it in my house. And so six verses, and inside of those six verses is so much content, and we dove into verse one, and really, the beginning of Psalm 23, verse one, really sets the tone for everything else, where where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is relaying that God is a very personal God to you and I. In fact, if you come into church, and and you think God is all about rules and religion, and and you being a part of, of doing this, and doing that, and accomplishing this, and accomplishing that, you're missing the heartbeat of God. God is a very personal God, and his goal, his agenda is that you and I, we would have a personal relationship with him where we would know him and he would know us, that we would be close and we would be intimate, and it would be a real and authentic thing in our life. 
And Psalms 23 really feeds off of verse 1. Like, if we don't get verse 1, that God is my shepherd. In fact, he is a good shepherd that wants to be involved in my life. And here's what he wants to do. Everything else is what he wants to do in our life once we recognize and realize that he is my shepherd. And so it continues on in, in verse 2, and it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, that's interesting to me because if I were writing Psalm 23, I, this would be at the end of everything that he wants me to do in life. Everything after I've accomplished, after I've attained, after I've done everything, at the end of it, he should make me lie down in green pastures. That wouldn't make sense to me. But he doesn't start like that. He, he actually starts very, very different. And David understood something about God that God wants you to understand as well. And that is today that it starts with rest in life. God wants us to start with rest. See, David understood something about God that we have to understand that if we're going to thrive in this world, that if we're going to do something significant with our life, it is not going to come from a place of accomplishment. It's actually going to come from a place of security and rest, knowing that God has already done the work within us, and it's out of his strength, and it's out of his rest that we accomplish in life. Like, we don't work for rest, we work from rest. So he starts the whole thing off letting us know that it starts with rest. And here's why that's important, because we make our worst decisions when we're tired. Come on, can anybody agree with me on that one? Like, we make the worst, like you would have never dated that person if you weren't tired. You would have never gone to that website if you weren't tired. You would have never done that dumb thing with your friends late at night if you weren't tired. When we're tired, we are not very good at making wise decisions. And for some reason today, our culture is so driven on this idea that if you're exhausted, then you must be successful. Like, think about it. You ask somebody, how are you doing? Man, I'm just tired. Oh, man, you must be doing a lot. You must be successful. We've, equ we've equated being worn out with success. Now, the irony of that is, is that we just went through a season where the majority of us had four to eight months of staying at home and somewhat resting. But every time I ask somebody how they're doing, you know what they tell me? I'm exhausted. Why are you exhausted? You stayed home for four to eight months. It's because we, in the middle of being home, we said to ourselves, man, I want to figure out how I can be as productive as possible during that season. Come on, you know it's true. You set up your home office, so now you never leave work. So now work is with you 24-7, and you are trying to produce. Uh, I'm no different. You might not know this, but I actually pastored two churches during the pandemic. 
Like, I'm crazy. Not only that, but we decided that we were gonna sell our home during the middle of the pandemic, so we went and fixed things up, and then we went out and bought a fixer-upper and decided to remodel it while pastoring Coastal. In fact, there was one Saturday where I was finishing up floors. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon, and I was thinking to myself, man, I gotta get these finished because I gotta go to church and preach at our six o'clock service, and I thought to myself, what the heck am I doing? And then I had this realization that so much of my identity comes out of my productivity. And I'm gonna guess that realization is not just for me. I'm gonna guess that's probably for you. And we forget that God created our identity not to come out of our productivity. He actually created our identity to come out of who he created us to be how he maimed us, informed us, and shaped us. And so our relationship should be determine our identity, not what we accomplish in our life. And so when we make productivity our identity instead of who God says we are, then all of a sudden, you know what we're working out of? We're working out of work rather than his rest. It's a unique mindset. Think about it this way. Man was created on the sixth day. So God works, and on, on the last day that he works, you know what he does? He saves the best for last. He creates man. Actually, that's not true. He saved the best for last and created woman after that, but it's okay. Come on, ladies. You got to agree with me right there. So man was created on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, you know what God did? He rested. So he creates, and then he rests. Therefore, the first day that man spent with God was a day of rest. So it shows that from the very beginning, the first thing that God wants you to experience in relationship with him is rest. I talk to way too many people that are exhausted. They're exhausted by the news. They're exhausted by social media. They're exhausted by, by the, the, the drama that's out there. They're exhausted by the hatred. They're exhausted by the critical spirit that is out there all over the place. They are totally exhausted. And I believe maybe you're watching right now online or you're sitting in this room. God brought you to Coastal Community Church today, not so that you would continue to be exhausted, but so that you would experience the rest that God has for your life. That's why, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you another job. And I'm going to give you two more assignments. No, no, no. He said, I'm not going to do that. I will give you rest. See, we've got it all wrong. So many people think that, that, that it's all about work. See, Christianity is not a big do. So many people are like, man, I, I, I've got to work and I've got to accomplish and I've got to do this for God. I've got to do that for God. I've got to do this and I've got to, I've got to do, no, no. Christianity is not a big do. Christianity is a big done. See, we don't work for something. We work from a place because God already did the ultimate thing by sending his son to this earth and dying on the cross. So the work has been accomplished. We just need to rest in what God has already done for us in life because it starts from a place of rest. So how do we experience God's rest? In verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
What does that mean? Like, how do you make a sheep lie down? Do you, do you take like some liquid and some chemicals, you put it on a piece of paper or something, or it's a rag and you just put it over its muzzle and it just like passes out? Is that how you make them lie down? And some parents would like to do that with their children, I know. I've seen some of your kids, so I know you want to do that. No, like, you, you, you don't do that. Like, the greatest thing, like, you work hard to get your kids to go to sleep, don't you? To get a nap or to lay down. And, and when, as a parent, like, when they do that, you're like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. We're going to get some rest now, too. But just like parents have realized you can't make your children do anything, you can't make sheep do anything either. What it essentially is saying is he's saying, man, you know what God does just like a good parent and just like a good shepherd does? You know what he does? He creates an environment for us to be able to rest. As a parent, when, when Alexander is getting ready for a nap, you know what we do? We, we go and we turn the lights down. We make the room as dark as possible. We put on the sound machine with the wave sound so it sounds like he's at the beach and it kind of drowns everything else out. We crank the air down so he'll snuggle up because it's when it's colder, it's, there's a propensity to fall asleep. What are we doing? We're creating an environment for rest to take place. There's an author named... Philip Keller, and he wrote a book in 1971 called uh, 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 A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's actually a book that a lot of colleges use when it comes to studying the Psalms. And, and he was actually a shepherd for many years and eventually became a pastor. And so he has a unique perspective of what it really means to, to care for sheep and to care for people. And he says, man, as a shepherd, I've recognized and realized that there are four things that a sheep needs in order to be able to have true rest in life. And I think the four things that sheep need are the same four things that you and I need in our life. If we are going to experience true rest in green pastures, the first one is this, is number one, we need fear removed from our life. Because here's the deal, sheep are extremely scared creatures. Like, they are afraid of everything. You want to know why? Because there are a lot of things trying to kill this guy right here. Like, look at this face. Come on, zoom in on me right here. Come on, zoom in. Like, why would anybody want to kill this? It's because they're an easy target. Like, they are a defenseless animal. And you know the... the the thing that knows that they are the most defenseless of all is the sheep itself. Like the sheep knows that like it is a sitting target. And so as it's walking around, it's constantly like looking, it's looking around everywhere because it knows that there could be a lion or a bear or, or a, a wolf around every corner, around every bush. And so it is constantly walking around in fear in life. It's filled with anxiety. It's filled with, with fear, just wondering, when is the next thing gonna happen? It's kind of like you at night, wondering, what's going what's gonna to happen tomorrow in my marriage? What's, what's going to happen? What's going to take place with my kids? What about coronavirus? What, what about the stock market? What's going to happen with Bitcoin tomorrow? And we're filled with fear and anxiety, and that fear and that, uh, that anxiety, not only does it overwhelm you, but it overwhelms the sheep. And anytime it's overwhelmed, do you know what the sheep cannot do? It cannot lay down and rest. Because that fear is just eating it up. And so the only time the sheep will actually lay down and rest is the moment that it can physically see 
its shepherd, all of a sudden the sheep will lay down and rest. Why? Because all of a sudden its focus is no longer on its problem. Its focus is on its protector. And a lot of us for so long, we've been focusing on our problems instead of focusing on the one who protects us from everything in life. We've got to learn to get our eyes on the right things rather than the wrong things. That's why David said in Psalm chapter 4 verse 8, I will lie down and sleep in peace. Like when is the last time? that you lay down and you slept in peace. I mean like that peace where you wake up and there is a pool of, of, of just drool next to you, like you were just out cold. Like it was that night that REM sleep was in full effect. When's the last time that happened? Some of y'all are like never. It's not a good thing. He says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell and safety. David understood we have to get our eyes off of the problem and onto the shepherd because fear is a byproduct of misplaced focus. It's a byproduct of you putting your eyes on the wrong things. And there are way too many people today that are filled with anxiety, that are filled with fear, that are overwhelmed. And you want to know why? Because your eyes are constantly looking around at what is going to attack. And let me remind you that you have a good shepherd. And the good shepherd says, for I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, but, and of love, and of a sound mind. And I don't know what is overwhelming you here today, but if you will get your eyes on the good shepherd, he will protect you and give you rest. Number two, the second thing he says is, is we have to have friction resolved in our lives. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but sheep are very, very social animals. And so they are, they are in proximity of other sheep all the days of their life. In fact, they, they, they stay in herds. They stay in packs together. Like they are always in community. The same way that you and I should always be in community. In fact, this weekend is a great weekend for you to find some community. Go get signed up for a connect group that's out there in the foyer or grab that God and sign up online. But here is the problem with sheep is that anytime you're in community with other people, there's always gonna be some other sheep that kind of rub you the wrong way. There's always gonna be some people that kind of create some friction in your relational world. There's gonna be some people that frustrate you and annoy you in life. And, and just, like, just like the sheep, the same thing happens in our life. It could be that family member. It could be that person posting on Facebook. It could be, it could be your neighbor. It could be your spouse, whatever it is. And, and what happens is you end up having problems with those people. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, what it does is it creates drama in your life. Here's how it works for the sheep, and he describes it in the book. He says, what will happen is a sheep is feeding right here, and he's eating something, and another sheep will come in and push him away and start eating his food. All of a sudden, he's got, he's got some friction with that other sheep, or, or maybe he's close to another sheep that he really likes, and another sheep will kind of kind of push right in between them and kind of break up the relationship a little bit. Anybody ever experienced that in life? And all of a sudden, there is friction in the relationship. And as long as there is friction in the relational world, the, the sheep that has the problem will not sleep while all the other sheep are sleeping. He's sitting up awake wondering, man, I cannot believe they ate my grass. I can't believe that one got between me. And all of a sudden, it is keeping that sheep from true rest. 
I wonder if the true rest that God intended for you was removed because some of you have some friction with some other people in life. And I don't think a lot of it happens because we're rubbing shoulders with one another. I think a lot of it happens because we're watching too much and doing too much of this online. I can't believe they sent that text. I can't believe they posted that article. I can't believe they voted for this person. I can't believe that they would think that way. And now there's so much friction within the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, there has never been a time in the history of America that we have needed a united church more than right now. Save the drama for somebody else. Like, give the drama away. What if during this season and every season we decided that, you know what, we're going to focus on what we agree on rather than what we disagree on. Man, we're going to resolve ourselves not to have friction in our relationships and maybe just Maybe God wants to use, use a united church to heal a broken and divided world. Maybe that is our mission in this season. What if God called us to do that? And you're not going to experience rest as long as you continue to get involved in drama. Some of y'all just need to let it go. In fact, some of you, here's a prophetic word for you. Get off social media. Here's another one. Stop watching Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC. Stop it all. Watch how the drama ceases from your life. Oh, I'm just trying to decide. Okay, I'm just going to go there. The cancel culture that is going on in our society is the most demonic and divisive thing I've ever seen in my life. Somebody posts something, I'm unfriending you. I'm unliking you. What is up with that? Where is the loyalty? Where is the friendship? Where is the, I'm gonna bear one another's burdens with somebody else? Man, we don't cancel people. The only thing that gets canceled in the Bible is people's sins by the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing that should be canceled. We don't cancel people. You know what we do? We love people. We encourage people. We build people. We embrace people. That's what we, that's what we do. We don't cancel that's demonic. So with sheep, when they're in conflict and they're fighting with, with each other, here's how it gets resolved most of the time. If they can't resolve it themselves, you know what happens? A shepherd will come in and he'll walk into that room and if they can't resolve it, he'll start hooking some sheep. He'll start adjusting some attitudes. You think I'm joking right now. I think this stick is just pretty, man, like the shepherd uses this to adjust some things in life. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. You leave your kids in the room for five minutes, there's going to be some friction in that room. Josh has got four kids. He knows what's up. Some of y'all with one, you're like, no, they're perfect angels. No, no, that's because there's just one. Put two in there and you'll find it. And so what happens in that moment? The moment a parent walks in, everything changes. Why? Because a dad looks at their kids like this. Come on, 33% of your job is staring at your kids like this until they act right. I think God in heaven, some of you, he's been looking at you like, you really going to send that right now? You going to post that right now? You going to leave that church over that? Honestly, it's so dumb. 
We are fighting amongst ourselves. And you know what? The Bible says that we're one flock. We're one group. And we have way more in common than we have differences. You know, the enemy's greatest goal for our life is to divide. Why? Because you can divide, you can conquer. He's got us all whacked out over a lot of things. And in this season, more than ever, we need to have each other's backs rather than creating conflict for one another. So maybe, just maybe, what we need to do is we need to start inviting the shepherd back into our situations to resolve the drama, to resolve the marriage issues, to resolve the parent-child issues, to resolve the racial issues in life. Because it's in the presence of the shepherd that brings peace within the flock. So what we need in our world today, we don't need more government intervention. We don't need more social uh, agendas. What we need is we need to invite the presence of God back into our lives and bring his presence into every single aspect of our life so that we are the light of Christ everywhere, resolving the drama because we are the representation of Christ. And so where there's drama, we squash it in that moment in Jesus' name because his presence is more powerful because he has given us the ultimate gift, his Holy Spirit, to lead God and direct our lives because it says, for he himself is our peace who has made two groups. It is an us versus them. We are one and it is Destroy the barrier, dividing wall of hostility. You want to get some good rest in your life? You got to start removing the drama from your life. Get your eyes off the fact that everybody's got something wrong. Every one of us has got something wrong. It's just straight truth. Maybe if we stop focusing on the speck in somebody else's eye and started fixing the log in ours... We stop having so much conflict with other people and we'd be able to see the shepherd that's right there with us who matters most and wants to give us true rest. Number three, he says, if you want to have true rest, you have to get rid of the freedom from pests. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I can deal with some wolves. I can deal with lions. I can deal with bears. One thing I cannot uh, deal with is gnats in my ears. Like, you, you give me bugs and, and like, you know that thing that's like in your ear and you're like, I don't know where that thing is, but I'm a murder it right now. It's like, I, I can see the lion coming. I can see the bear. I can, I, can, I can run from them. But that gnat will follow you everywhere. Like, it just, it'll drive a person nuts. Not only will it drive a person nuts, it'll drive a sheep nuts. I remember Shayla, Shayla convinced me to go camping one time. I, I'm not really an outdoorsy guy. Like my idea of, of, a bad, of a good canning trip is like a bad hotel, like a bad hotel experience is like camping to me. But she decided, she, we, had, we lived on this big piece of property over on the other coast and she's like, let's go camping. We'll get a whole bunch of friends. And so we went out there, we set up tents and all this stuff. And in the middle of the night, man, it's hot, it's muggy. And there's this bug that was like, nee, nee, nee. And, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just got up in the middle of the night. I went back to our house. I slept like a baby. Shayla woke up the next morning, thought the rapture had happened, like the chosen had been taken. And uh, I was just asleep in our bed. And, and, and she got a miserable night's sleep. Why? Because she had passed there all night 
long. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You walked outside last night at dusk, and it was gnats and bugs and mosquitoes everywhere. And it's the small things, it's the hidden things that will kill you in life. That's why it's so important for the good shepherd to help you have freedom from the pest because here's what a good shepherd will do. When the sheep are going to lay down at night, he'll go and inspect as every sheep is coming through. He'll stop that sheep and what he'll do is he'll start to look through their, their wool and it'll be like, oh, there's a tick. Let me get rid of that. Oh, there's some fleas. Let me get rid of those. Oh, oh, there's some other bug. Let me get rid of that. And he inspects them so that they don't have anything that is keeping them awake at night. And see, we have a God that is so good that not only does he care about how good you are, but he cares about the small things that are annoying you and keeping you from the greatness that he designed you to have. And here's what I know. You know what happens for sheep when a shepherd stops them and he starts inspecting them? The sheep get frustrated in that moment. In, in fact, a lot of times sheep are like, why are you picking at the nitty gritty in my life? It's because God knows that it's the small things that will destroy your life. David understood this. That's why he, he prayed verses like Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. When is the last time that you asked God to remove some pests out of your life? I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about that attitude. I'm talking about the, the, the addictions I'm talking about the, the hidden sin that nobody but you knows about. Because it's the small things, it's the minute things that are here that always end up having the biggest consequences out here. And so not only would, would, they, would they check them, but then what they, the shepherd would do is he would take the sheep's head and he would submerge his entire head or her head into oil. You're like, why? Because what the shepherd knew that the sheep did not understand is that when he would submerge their head in oil is that the bugs, if they did not do that, they would actually go up into the sheep's nostrils and it would lay eggs. And when those eggs would begin to hatch, what would happen is it, those bugs that were in his nostrils would start crawling all up inside there and begin to drive the sheep insane to where it would feel like the sheep would literally start beating its head up against the wall, kind of like some of you are right now, because you've got some things going on inside of your head that you can't resolve yourself. And so he would dip it in oil so they could not do that. And what that oil signifies all throughout scripture is it, it signifies the power of the Holy Spirit. So what God is saying is he's saying, hey, listen, I know it feels like I'm taking some things from you, but what I'm doing is I'm actually giving you something so much better, the power of my presence in your life. Not only do I remove things, but I fill you with things that are even better. In Romans chapter eight, it says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So it doesn't matter what comes your way because now you have a power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, living within you, leading and guiding you so that you can experience true rest. And the fourth thing he says, and I think everybody would agree with this, in order for the sheep to experience true rest, they have to have food in their stomach. 
Now we all get this, uh, like, have you ever gone to bed and you've been hungry? Like, you always get up and you have a late night snack. That's why people drink milk and cookies way in the middle of the night. We, we, had, a, we had a guy that was, was living with us as he was in between places for like a month. And, and I'll never forget, we'd wake up in the morning and like entire packs of Oreos would be gone. We'd be like, what happened to Oreos? This guy was like, I got hungry in the middle of the night. I'm like, you ate the entire thing of Oreos because you can't just eat one, right? And so we all know what this is like. If we're hungry, what, what happens? That hunger pain will keep you up. The same thing is true with the sheep. Like the sheep, if they are not full and satisfied, you know what they'll do? They'll stay up all night grazing until they get to that place. And the role of the shepherd is to make sure that the sheep are full and satisfied. It's to position the sheep so that every single one of their needs are met so they can experience true rest. It's really a trust thing. And I get it, there's some of you that are watching right now online, maybe you're sitting in this room and you're going, but TJ, you, I don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold, I don't know, I don't know what next week's gonna bring, I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, but here's what I know is that you can rest today because we have a good shepherd who promises in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, my God will meet all of your needs. Not according to your riches, but according to the riches of, in him, in Christ, Jesus. So while I don't know what will happen tomorrow, I don't know what will happen next month. I do know about today. I do know that I have a good shepherd who is going to take care of all of my needs and make sure my stomach is satisfied and my day is taken care of and my family is protected because I have a good shepherd in my life. Let me close with this because God wants us to rest. In verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, what's interesting about this is if, if you look at Israel, I have some pictures of Israel. Here's, here's some shepherds. Uh, does anybody see any green? How about this next one? Looks like a whole bunch of brown, barren, broken, desolate. Last one, here, here's, the, here's the green I could find. There's some, like, some random bushes out there. So the irony is, is that God goes, man, he makes me lie down in green pastures. But when you look at the land, there, there is nothing green. See, what a good shepherd would do is he would intentionally develop places specifically for the sheep. So what the good shepherd would do is he would go ahead of the situation and he would begin to develop the land and cultivate the land. Typically, it would be on the top of the mountain where other animals would not be able to get to and what other species would not go to. He would develop those places where it would be lush and it would be green. And he would be leading the sheep there so that when they got there, that everything would be prepared for them to experience rest. It doesn't matter what is dry and what is desolate and what is broken in your life. I want you to know that today there is a God who is a good God who is preparing a place for you to be able to experience his rest in your life. The question is, is will you trust him to lead you to that place to, to satisfy 
that there's food in your belly that you're free from the pests of life that the conflict needs to be resolved and the fear needs to be released by getting in the presence of the one who changes it all so that you'll be able to look back as you're resting on the good shepherd who has provided it all in your life and you would look back and say man it could only be God would you bow your heads and close your eyes maybe you're here today and as we're talking about true rest and and the peace and living a life that is not filled with fear and filled with annoyances and all of these things you're going man I, I I don't have a shepherd like that in my life. I've not experienced what you're talking about. I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a God that cares so much about you. That he wants to get involved in the nitty and the gritty of your life. In the minute details that everybody deems as insignificant. But he sees as very significant. Because it's the small things that end up with the biggest consequences. And God so loved those small things that he was willing to not only take care of the small things, but the big things by 2,000 years ago, sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, the, the greatest sheep of them all, the sheep that would pay the ultimate price so that we would not have to pay it with our lives by giving his life as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary so that we could experience life and have it more abundantly, so that we could be led by the good shepherd every day of our life. And maybe you're here and you, you've not experienced that relationship in your life, or maybe you did a long time ago and you walked away and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I, I wanna experience that today. I need to have the good shepherd active and involved in my life, and it begins with trusting and surrendering. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up on the count of three, or if you're watching online, you could put a hand emoji in there. If that's you and you say, you know what, I need to experience that in my life. If you just slip your hands up at the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Online. Maybe you're watching there. If you just prayed this prayer in your heart as I prayed aloud, and say, God, thank you so much for being my good shepherd, for caring for me even when I don't feel like anybody's caring for me. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to come to this earth and live a perfect life, the life that I could not attain and dying a sinner's death, the death that I deserve so that I could experience life and have it more abundantly. God, I ask you to come into my heart, take over my life. God, rule and reign in my life. God, I surrender to you. Fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy all the days of my life. God, I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.